no, Rod, no. He's going to sacrifice himself. <laughs> Rod, no, you can't. Do you want to stop Snape or no? <laughs> it's you that has to go on, Harry. I just know it. Not, not me, me. Not, not Hermione. Hermione. You. <laughs> no thoughts, just Ronald Weasley. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing chapter three of Assassin's Quest, The Quest. Ooh, <laughs> what shall we find at the end? <laughs> and it's not really a quest in this chapter. Nope. Well, I think the <laughs> Internal quest, quest. The quest is for happiness, and I don't think he reaches the destination, but... True. <laughs> Quick disclaimer, there might be some coughs and things like that, or sniffles in this episode. We're both struggling with allergies right now. Yeah, I forgot to take my allergy medicine um, on the weekend of the 4th of July and have been dying ever since. So <laughs> It's like your body can't catch up. No. <laughs> anyway, the beginning of this chapter discusses the skill. Just basically uh, a brief overview of what it can do, what it's about, where it came from kind of thing. It seems to run strongest in the royal bloodlines, or whose ancestry includes both out-islanders and six duchy folk. It's a lot of the same stuff that we've heard over and over again, and it makes specific mention at the end that it can lure the practitioner into an addiction to skilling because there's such euphoria and everything in that. Right. Um, I also noticed that... This is probably an excerpt that Fitz wrote pre-Tawny Man series. Yes, yeah. In here, it states that the possibilities are many, and then basically only gives two examples of what it can do, which is conveying messages or changing somebody's mind. Well, possibilities are many, but at its simplest, those are a couple things that it can do. Right. But that's... Not really that in-depth and way simpler than what's actually possible. I feel like right. if he knew the full scope of the skill, he would say something more like, at its simplest, it's something that could be used to heal or hurt others. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because since it was written you know, before the tiny man when he's secluded in his cabin here, they haven't recovered the scrolls yet mm -hmm. from Ezlavjal. And they don't really know too much about how the skill road was made or the skill pillars or anything like that. There's no Kelsingra at this point that is right. reclaimed. And they have a little bit more knowledge of working with the skill and skill stone, things like that, just through the memories. Right. So yeah, there's definitely a lot that Fitz is missing out on, but uh, it's pretty much the same overview that we have gotten for the past few books here. Yeah. Moving into the chapter, it picks up right where Birik is leaving off in the morning. He is packing when they wake up, and Fitz remarks that it takes a remarkably short time, but that he wanted to babble apologies, to beg him to reconsider, to do something, anything, to keep our friendship from ending this way. Which is, again, 
Fitz being so overdramatic that their friendship is ending. It's just Beric leaving. Right. Beric explained his side that you won't get better with me here. Mm-hmm. So at, at some point, you're pushing us away. You need to m- make decisions on your own. Chade agrees, so I'm leaving. Be your own man. Figure out what you want. Right. It's not your friendship ending fits. It's just... just somebody giving you space that you clearly need. And have asked for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and which is kind of sad that he's so he doesn't expect even the barest courtesy of people listening to him when he asks for space. But... Yeah, it's definitely this conflicting emotion of this is taking too long, but also it's done so quickly. Um, Also, it's a really tense, awkward atmosphere. I think neither of them really wants to see the other go, truly, but from different reasonings. Like we said, Fitz feels like it's the ending of a friendship, and Bjork is probably just worried about his son making it on his own which I think parents usually have the first time they let their child out into the world. But this is a little bit more dramatic because (laughs) Fitz just went through a horrible event. Right. And Bjork isn't sure that he'll be a person when he comes back, if he comes back. So yeah, it's definitely, he he does come back. He does. And it's scary. And I don't know. I feel bad for both of them, but it's, so insufferably awkward between the two of them (laughs) yeah they both want to kind of say something they lock eyes once in a while look away nothing is really said until Beric heads out and he says well farewell Fitz and good luck to you good luck to you Beric I crossed the room quickly and embraced him before he could step back he hugged me back a quick squeeze that nearly cracked my ribs and then pushed my hair back from my face go comb your hair you look like a wild man He almost managed to smile. He turned from me and strode away. Birk does look back and wave as Fitz keeps watching. But uh, Birk's gone. Now he was gone like Chade, like Molly, like Verity, like Patience. Fitz is pretty uh, ashamed of what he said the previous night. Right. And he's just kind of like thinking and reflecting on that. And he does a very... I think young person thing in excusing what has happened by saying it was necessary. I had always planned to push him away. So as horrible as I feel and like the things that I say have definitely crossed the line, it was necessary in the long run because otherwise he clearly wouldn't have left. And this is ultimately what I wanted. And I just found that very interesting to see the kind of denial here of fault in himself. And yeah, I just thought it was a really interesting character trait that we're seeing. Yeah. And, and he does say here, like Molly, he would carry off the doubts I had driven into him. And by savaging Beric's pride, I had destroyed what little respect Chade had still held for me, which there's a lot of fallacies in that. A lot of ways that he's thinking He's putting emotions into other people right. about how they think about him, which are untrue. But at the same time, yeah, he did <laughs> mess with people yeah, and he, say very hurtful things to them. He doesn't know how to, number one, let people go. And number two, how to ask for space without hurting a person. And I totally get where he's coming from and putting these emotions there. But it's just sad that he's thinking of it in this way. He also follows that up by hoping childishly in his words that he can someday see them again, but knowing that he won't, 
And I think that's such a sad, like, that's just how relationships work is sometimes you have to go separate ways, but that doesn't mean you're never going to see them again. And he doesn't quite grasp that concept. And he's still thinking about, you know, the future. He says, I was free of them now, free of their limitations on me, free of their ideas of honor and duty, freed of their expectations. And he wants to lay his old life to rest behind him. But to do that, he thinks he has to kill Regal to put that to bed. Right. Put it in the past. He does say my favorite quote in this chapter, which is, it seemed only fair. He killed me first. Yes. I find that a little bit humorous and it's horrible and I do not condone his idea of killing Regal, but that is a kind of funny thought. (laughs) He's justifying it to himself, uh, justifying being able to kill Regal despite his promise to King Shrewd by saying that Fitz no longer exists, that Fitz is dead. The old Fitz can't come to the phone anymore. (laughs) Okay, okay, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) And... He would never, you know, stand before Shrewd and report or anything like that. So he, even though he's haunted by that specter of that promise peeking up and saying, hey, you promised not to do this. He's kind of pushing it down and saying, well, that's that part of me is dead. I'm just going to do this to lay everything to rest and move on. So he's he's justifying it to himself. Right. He ultimately decides that uh, that. If he dies, ends up dying from this, kill, but kills Regal, that it would be worth it. And it's just so sad that it's gotten to this point. Yeah. And also, it's, he's not going to try to assassinate him quietly. No. He says, I would have revenge. I promised myself that Regal would look at me as he died and know that I killed him. This would be no quiet assassination, no silent venture of anonymous poison. I would deliver death to Regal myself. And if he dies in that matter? So be it. So be it. Which is such a... Ugh. He's just blatantly ignoring the lessons that Chade has given him. Right. And is overcompensating by thinking, I'll get my revenge by making it clear that I killed him. And it's just... I think it's a defense mechanism. And I don't blame him for having these thoughts. I mean, after what you go through, if you go through something like that, I'm sure... All you think about while you're healing is revenge. Right. But I think at some point you have to put that aside because that won't make you feel better. 100%. Yeah. And Night Eyes is stirred by his thoughts on this. The whole, I if I die, so be it. So Night Eyes kind of gets, you know, an inkling of what Fitz is thinking about. And asks, have you ever considered what it would do to me if you died? I shut my eyes tightly for an instant, but I had considered it. What would it do to us if I lived as prey? Night Eyes understood. We are hunters. Neither of us was born to be prey. I cannot be a hunter if I am always waiting to be prey, and so I must hunt him before he can hunt me. He accepted my plans too calmly. I tried to make him understand all I intended to do. I did not wish him to simply follow me blindly. I am going to kill Regal and his coterie. I'm going to kill all of them for all they did to me and all they took from me. Regal? There is meat we cannot eat. I do not understand the hunting of men. And Night Eyes is taking this really calmly. Fitz is like, it it almost seems to me he's like, 
please, like, I'm going to tell you everything I'm doing and maybe try to convince me not to. <laughs> right. It, it's very reminiscent of, like, when you tell somebody a bad idea, fully expecting them to be like, no, don't do that. And then they just are like, okay. You're like, no, you don't understand. This is a horrible plan and yeah. I'm going to do it. They're like, all right, sounds dumb, but have fun. Like, <laughs> right, right. And I think that goes to show that Fitz knows he doesn't really want to do this. He's trying to convince himself in this convincing of Night Eyes, because I really think Night Eyes is just going to go for whatever. <laughs> See, I really think Fitz does want to do this, but he knows it's a bad idea. Mm. I mean... I know he wants to kill Regal. I just don't think that he thinks that I th you're right. I think he thinks this is a bad idea, but I think he ultimately also knows that killing Regal won't make it better. Yeah. And he's trying to convince himself. Yes, it will. That it will. Yeah. So, yeah. Fitz then tries to equate Regal to the, uh, I don't know what to call it. Like the trapper that yeah. had night eyes originally. Fitz calls him an animal trader, but yeah. Yes. Night Eyes considers that. He says, once I got away from him, I was smart enough to stay away from him. To hunt that one is as wise as to go hunting a porcupine. I cannot leave this alone, Night Eyes. I understand. I am the same about porcupines. <laughs> Two light, fluffy comments. Yeah. Pretty close to each other. Because Night Eyes doesn't really understand. Yeah. I mean, he does, but... It's not it's, the same. Yeah, he just accepts everything. In the present, you know, that's the future. We'll worry about it then. <laughs> right. And Fitz doesn't love the idea that his thing about Regal against Regal is in Night Eyes's mind the same as his own Night Eyes's own uh, weakness, <laughs> weakness to for porcupines. He's like, it's yeah. much more serious than that. But it is kind of the same thing. He knows he shouldn't, and he's gonna do it anyway. Mm -hmm. You can really tell that he thinks that he is capable of doing this in a way that's so profoundly arrogant to me as a reader, I guess, because he tries to explain more in depth to himself, the reasoning of why right. he's doing this. Yeah. And the reasoning ultimately ends up with, with Fitz just thinking that it's about revenge. Yeah. He says, it's not that I couldn't live my own life. It's that Fitz could not stomach the idea about Regal going around on his own thinking that he had won. Right. Defeated which, Fitz, stolen the throne from Verity, and being fine with it. Fitz can't live with that idea. It's not It's not what happened. It's the Regal winning. Yeah. Which is, number one, childish. <laughs> and number two, just so besides the point, because you know he hasn't won. And that's easy for me to say because I wasn't just... Um, beaten to literal death by Regal. But I think this grabbing onto the idea of, well, it's not fair. He thinks he won is just, yeah. I don't know. I think that's an arrogant reason to think that you can win. And it's, you know, he's trying to justify it to himself. Right. And not right. well. It's just comes out immature. And he is. I mean, kind of young, so it yeah, makes I mean, sense that he's, like he's nineteen or something, immature, eighteen, something like that. And so, Fitz invites Night Eyes in because he says, "Well, no, it's just us. You can come in now." And 
Fitz gets a full look at Night Eyes for the first time in a while since he had been sharing his mind with Night Eyes the whole time. So he's, he's looking at him as a wolf and not as an extension of himself. Right. Which is also kind of arrogant, not considering Night Eyes like a separate being as yeah. well. Yeah. Which is horrible to Night Eyes. Like, yeah. Night Eyes should... Although, I don't know if Night Eyes thinks Fitz is kind of an extension of himself either. So maybe right. it's shared. But I think Night Eyes thinks they're pack, which would mean that they're different entities yeah. with a similar goal. Yeah, I don't know. Whereas be... Fitz is like, no, Night Eyes is just my wolf Sona. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting to see a point of view just a brief one from night eyes's perspective and see kind of like the verbiage that's used yeah the words to describe like what fits feels like to him yeah that's that's a good point but uh night eyes has grown now he's grown up he's a he's a pup full-grown wolf pup <laughs> not really pup anymore but no. he's a full-grown wolf and fitz says he had a tail that was more expressive than many a woman's face, and teeth and jaws that could easily crack a deer's leg bones. What a way with words, Fitz. Definitely. I'm sure Molly would love to know that a wolf's tail is more expressive. <laughs> um, but also, I do want to say, just a quick aside, that the other day on my personal Instagram, I was recommended a video of a wolf puppy getting like nursed and they are like remarkably small because I know wolves get pretty big. So I guess I was just assuming the puppies would be kind of bigger in size, like maybe a St. Bernard puppy size. Um, but they're like pretty small (laughs) wolf cubs. Yeah. Yeah, Wolf cubs are really tiny when they start off in it. And so then I was just thinking of night eyes at that size and very cute. (laughs) (laughs) Fitz never knew him that small, probably. That's true. He's a few months old at that point. Yeah. But I just want to say that wolf cubs are really cute. If you have the chance, (laughs) definitely look them up on the internet. And so Fitz and Night Eyes kind of hang out. And Fitz is thinking about the future a little bit here. Night Eyes falls asleep. Fitz keeps watch. And he goes inside the hut takes stock of his possessions, looks over what supplies he has. He doesn't have very much. Two blankets, a cloak, change of clothes, warm woolly things ill-suited to summer travel, a brush, a knife, a whetstone, flint firestone, a sling, a looking glass, small kettle, several spoons, a hand axe, some thread, and a bottle of elderberry wine. A little bit of... Uh, leftover honey. Leftover honey and some, like, flour. Meal and flour, yeah. yeah. Like, not not a ton. No, not if you're going to go on a couple week-long trips yeah. <laughs> to the inner duchies on foot. So he has a great plan here. He, he's going to gather some things first, spend some time, you know, hunting, fishing, gathering herbs, that sort of thing. Smoke right. the fish and the meat so they would be preserved for a while. And for now, he has some clothing and basics. Eventually, he needs some coin to buy more. And he could, you know, use his scribing skills. Right. He thinks about how he knows people down at the docks who he could probably get work from, but then realizes that he actually can't go do that because they would recognize him as the dead fits. Yeah, he can't use his contacts. And he cannot. He has to go based off of skill alone. And so it's like a really interesting... L- l- lowercase skill. <laughs> l- lowercase. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to see him realize that 
without his identity, he's actually much lower on the starting rung than he was before because there's nobody to vouch for him. There is nobody that he knows previously who could give him honest work reliably. He has to find it on his own with a new identity. Right. He's also considering his face and how his scars and broken nose have changed him a little bit. And if he put an effort into a different persona, he might get away with being someone different. Right. Which we find out in the future is true. No one really recognizes him. Well, I have theories that maybe they know who he is, but they're keeping (laughs) quiet. But but yeah, he wants to grow out his facial hair and um, shave back his hair on his temples to look like a scribe yep and so he uh, is thinking about that future and night eyes kind of butts in and says hey why can't we stay right here we got everything we need why do where where are we going why are we going (laughs) which goes to show again it's the wolf's mentality right Fitz can say that hey we're gonna do this and i'm gonna go kill regal and night eyes can be like okay hey watch over me while i sleep and then wake up and be like hey what what? Why are we planning on going again? Yeah. <laughs> Everything we need is here. And so Fitz responds, I must, I must do this to be a man again. You truly believe you wish to be a man again? I sensed his disbelief, but also his acceptance that I would try. Where are we going? Tradeford, where Regal is, a far journey up the river. Are there wolves there? Not in the city itself, I am sure, but there are wolves in Pharaoh. There are wolves and bucks still, too, just not around here. Save we two, he pointed out, and added, I should like to find wolves where we go. Which that, like, that small little ending line makes me feel a bit for Night Eyes because he hasn't known anyone of his kind. Right. Ever. Fitz is all he has. Yeah. Not ever, I guess. He did (laughs) start his life with. Right, right. But... Yeah, Fitz is all he has. And I think this is a really interesting tidbit and a little look into maybe how Night Eyes is feeling. Because we don't really get to know how Night Eyes is feeling. Night Eyes doesn't really tell us. And I think the way of the wolf is to not really dwell on negative feelings. So I don't know that we would. But I think this kind of shows signs of loneliness. I think... Night Eyes is happy with Fitz in a way that you're happy hanging out with a close friend, but he doesn't feel like he ever belongs. And I think it's really interesting to get to see this little tidbit of, I kind of want to make some friends of my own that aren't connected to you. Right. And I can also see him thinking this now, and I know what it it's like after he meets the wolves as well right because he feels like he's missing out it's the fear of missing out yeah for him because night eyes is also young yeah and and when he does meet up with the wolves and everything he realizes that he's just too different yeah and he is more content to stay with Fitz because they're very much alike but right now yeah it's that that whole thing of like i i could have another family i could have other people or other wolves that i know and yeah. they're more like my kind and maybe we could all be packed together or something, you know? It's Yeah. It's definitely on his mind if he says it. Yeah. And it's about the future. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to think about and I think it kind of mirrors fits in that Night Eyes is also looking for somewhere to belong. Yeah. And also is like they're both just young people trying to or 
beings, I guess, <laughs> trying to figure out their place in the world and figure out what it means to be themselves. Right. And I don't know. I just thought that was really cool and something I for sure didn't even think about the first time I read it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to point out that it kind of shows a little bit more of some depth of feelings that we don't usually get from Night Eyes. Then he sprawled over and went back to sleep. That was part of what it meant to be a wolf, I reflected. He would worry no more until we left. Then he would simply follow me and trust his survival to our abilities. But I had become too much a man again to do as he did. I began to gather provisions the very next day. So this, this beginning line here, this start, is wildly different from where we end up in this chapter. Right. This chapter is Fitz devolving back into his old habits as a wolf man or living with night eyes yeah. and sharing his mind the whole time. And this is pretty much as man, quote unquote, as he gets <laughs> in this chapter yeah. right here. He is planning for the future. Yep. He is taking meat and putting it aside for future needs, which bothers Night Eyes because he's hungry. Just eat now. <laughs> and <laughs> or if we have more food, just let me gorge myself. Yes. <laughs> and me. <laughs> yes, same. <laughs> and he also is oiling his boots. He is making new things. He is making powders and getting herbs collected and creating brushes and inks and dyes so that he can look like he's a real scribe. He makes a box to hold his poisons and then a bigger box to put the poison box into that looks like a scribe box so nobody will know and he's thinking about his enemies how regal and the coterie are out there and what the coterie is like and who he fears and right it's all about the future right i also want to point out that he brings up uh burl and carid are the other two coterie members that are not will that are still alive yep um i wanted to bring that up because i always forget they exist <laughs> <laughs> they show up like um, at the end of this book i think I, well yes. they're in there in tradeford as well right but they mostly play a big part there and then at the end of the book so. right but i just wanted to make it known so in case anybody else is like wait there are other coterie members yeah. <laughs> members besides will uh yes <laughs> you are not alone it is Carrot and Burl. Yeah, Justin and Serene are the only ones who have died, I believe. Yes. At least to Fitz. They were all trained, and though many and though my natural talent had once seemed much stronger than theirs, I had found out the hard way that they knew ways of using the skill that not even Verity had understood. If I were skill attacked by them and survived, I would need the elf bark to restore myself. Because he had also collected elf bark and was drying that as well. Yes. So there's a lot of stuff that he's making. He's preparing for the future. He's eager for revenge, but he's also very reluctant to leave that lifestyle. He's safe there. In his mind, he is safe. He doesn't have to go back into the world and be hurt again in any right. way. He's comfortable. He's well provi provisioned, and he should leave soon because the he has summer weather for traveling, so it's going to be nice, and it's not going to be you know hard for him. For the first time in his life, he doesn't have a set schedule yeah. or tasks that he has to do for somebody else. He just does whatever he thinks he needs to do, and he goes to bed when he wants to and wakes up when he wants to. So he justifies staying. He says, uh, occasionally, 
Fitz's body would shock him with a twinge after he leaped after something, or it would be oddly stiff in the mornings. So he's like, well, I'll take some time to recover. I'll, I'll sit here for a few weeks. That's fine. Right. And I think this is the transition from trying really hard to be man again into devolving back into those wolf habits. Yeah. I think Fitz has found a comfortable place and like a wolf wants to live in the now. And he's terrified. And yeah, he's scared. And so there's this justification of it's okay that I'm not fully preparing for the future anymore because what I need to do yeah. It it needs time. I need to heal. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to go with all my provisions, but you know, I'm really fearing a seizure, so I'll just kind of mm-hmm. wait a couple, you know, see how my body's doing and right. how how it's better. And I do want to say that I think it's totally fair that he is having this reaction. Oh yeah, 100%. I don't think it's weird or out of place, but it is like helpful to mention that this is for sure a habit that he is doing to keep himself from having to go through with the revenge plan. Yeah. And he does say that he's not the hardened warrior he was before the last summer, but he can keep pace with night eyes hunting and his body was healings. And Fitz says he's set the pains of the past behind him, acknowledging, but not dwelling on them. The nightmares that had plagued me were shed like the last remnants of night eyes, winter coat I had never known a life so simple. I had finally made peace with myself. I think this is like Fitz being content in life. Yeah. Which is a first? Not necessarily a first. I think whenever he was going into town, he was pretty content as a boy. He was content. But this is the first in a really long time where Fitz is kind of enjoying life. He is liking the lifestyle he has created for himself. Yeah, and I, I think this is what he feels like he has longed for all of his life. Yeah. He's not really thinking of revenge right now, which mm-hmm. is healthy for him. But he's also slowly more relying on Night Eyes and soon to be relying on him a lot more. Right. Or at least the link in, link in their mind. Yeah. Because he has a nightmare. I honestly think that this time period in his life is what leads him to, at the end of the book, try to recreate it by living alone in the woods. And I think the reason he's not successful when he does it again is because he never fully divulges back into that wolf state, but also because he's not fully there. Part of him is gone, and that part that helps you heal isn't there. And so he's just kind of living in the woods and being a scruffy, weird old man. (laughs) The, the big sentence in that, that I agree, I completely agree with your point, and that's why the big sentence is, my body healed, and I set behind me the pains of the past, acknowledging them, but not dwelling on them. And that is what he cannot do at the end of this book, because he gives up his pains. Right. He cannot acknowledge them and not dwell on them. He's just not thinking of them. Yeah. He's not healing He is stagnant at that point. So he can't fully recreate. Plus, I think he's a little bit more addicted to the skill at the end of this book than than before. So (laughs) that doesn't help. I do think that this is clearly something that drives him. This is a good memory for him. And so this is something he strives to recreate for the rest of his life. And I just don't think 
that that's possible. And also something like this, what he's doing right now is not a sustainable lifestyle for a human <laughs> to go through. And I think that's also part of why this is like a fleeting moment of happiness in his life. And one day, a nightmare wakes him up. He and Night Eyes had uh, gone hunting. They had went together, killed a brace of fat rabbits. They, you know, played a little bit, leaping and digging together. And flung ourselves down in dappling birch shade, fed again from our kills, and drowsed off. Something, perhaps the uneven sunlight on my closed eyelids, plunged me into a dream. And he's back in the dungeons. And this time, he is begging Will to stop. He is on his hands and knees and pleading with him, I'm nothing to you. I'll never trouble you again. I'll do you no harm. Let me go. I'm only a wolf. I lifted my muzzle to the sky and howled. My own howling woke me. I rolled to my hands and knees, shook myself all over, and then came to my feet. A dream, I told myself. Only a dream. So, this dream is clearly left over from his time in the dungeons. I did reread this dream passage like three or four times because I was trying to decide if this was maybe like a skill session that he had where he reached out to maybe a different witted one that was being tortured because he never admitted to being a wolf and why would he give up but the more I read it it was just so specific to what he had personally been through and yeah and Will isn't at Buckkeep anymore so Although we know that later Fitz will find out that skilled or witted people are being hunted and fought for sport and tortured. Um, I don't think this is what that is. I think this is just a pure nightmare. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's really sad because you can tell that in a way they kind of Regal kind of did win because he's so broken that if he were put in that position again, he probably would just give up and just say, please. (laughs) I'm just a wolf, don't hurt me. And it's really sad. And there's a ton of words in here specifically chosen to evoke that imagery as well. As I panted open mouth, the smell and the taste of it combined to fill my senses. I'm only a wolf. I lifted my muzzle to the sky and howled. I rolled to my hands and knees, shook myself all over, and then came to my feet. Like It's a lot of very dog-like tendencies or wolf-like tendencies right. that he's describing himself doing yeah, in the dream and without uh, of the dream. Yeah. Night Eyes is wondering where he's going because Fitz wakes up and, and moves on. And when Fitz leaves, he tells Night Eyes he's going towards the water. Um, When he gets to the water, he starts trying to clean himself because he still has the blood of the last kill that he and Night Eyes made all over him. Um, He's scrubbing all over and it's in his beard and he is kind of almost having a panic attack because he's touching his beard and he's like, I hate this. I need this off of my face. And it's almost like just sensory overload and this feeling of I need to clean and get 
this nightmare off of me and I don't want it sticking to me anymore. It, the cleaning almost feels that way to me. The yeah. invisible <laughs> dirt that is on him will not come off. Although there is plenty of visible dirt on him as well. At Fitz, this point. Fitz has spent weeks healing his body with night eyes at this point after he had collected for the future, his provisions for the future. And he has been living attached to night eyes's brain that whole time and this nightmare seems to have shocked him out of that right it, it scared him so badly that he's like well i'm i am a man and now i need like i need to clean myself that panic attack roused him out of his living living with night eyes i don't know how to like fully explain it but yeah it kind of feels like it shocked him back to reality of yeah. I'm not a wolf anymore and I can't continue to fully live as a wolf because I am a man and there are parts of being a man that wolves just don't do. And so he goes back to uh, go back to the hut to shave off the beard to get rid of that. And he says at the door, I wrinkled my nose at the musty smell. Night eyes was right. Sleeping inside had dampened my sense of smell. I could hardly believe I had abided in here. I padded in reluctantly, sorting out the man smells. Again, more... Wolfish. Wolfish behavior. Damp had gotten into my dried meat and soured some of it. I sorted it out, wrinkling my nose at how far it was gone. Maggots were working in some of it. As I checked the rest of my meat supply carefully, I pushed aside a nagging sense of unease. It was not until I took out the knife and had a and had to clean a fine dusting of rust from it that I admitted it to myself. It had been days since I had been here, possibly weeks. I had no idea of time's passage. I looked at the spoiled meat, at the dust that overlaid my scattered possessions. I felt my beard, shocked at how much it had grown. Birk Echade had not left me here days ago. It had been weeks. It's crazy the realization you get the first time reading through this chapter, because you're like... it's written with no sense of passage of time. Right. It's just like, oh, you know, I gathered provisions and then I wanted to spend some time healing my body and Night Eyes and I just kind of like played and hunted. And then like literally it feels like the next morning he wakes up yeah. and this happens. Yeah. And then we realize the passage of time has been weeks of Fitz living outside with Night Eyes just walking around this area, hunting, sleeping outside. Right. And we know that it has been more than at least one day because Fitz makes a comment of finally getting to wake whenever he pleases and sleep whenever he wants. And that indicates to us that some passage of time has going has been going on because he's woken up more than once, presumably, in this fashion. But it is such a shock of like, oh my gosh, what we just read has been several weeks and nobody knew (laughs) yeah yeah exactly Fitz is trying to reconcile that in his head a little bit he says at one time eating raw flesh would have disgusted me now the notion of cooking meat seemed peculiar and foreign my mind veered away and I did not want to confront myself later I heard myself pleading tomorrow later Go find night eyes. You are troubled, little brother? Yes, I forced myself to add. You cannot help me with this. It is man trouble, a thing I must solve for myself. Be a wolf instead, he advised lazily. I wonder 
I wonder how much Night Eyes is unconsciously influencing this change of going back into being a wolf. I I don't know. I have been of the opinion the whole time that Night Eyes is very content to leave things as they are and take them at face value. So I feel like Fitz retreating back into this wolfish ways and holding on to his mind is like, okay, we're going to be wolves together. That's cool. Because wolf way of life is way better than a man's way of life anyway. So why would he want to change? I, I feel like Fitz is more so holding himself back and Night Eyes is just saying like, yeah, but a wolf's better anyways, so why? Right. He's not actively trying to contain him. At least that's my thought of the whole situation because Night Eyes doesn't... When, when Fitz rouses himself out of this being wolf thing, Night Eyes doesn't fight too hard. He's just like, okay, we're going to leave soon. Cool. I don't know if I agree with that because I mean the whole first chapter we see Night Eyes violently trying to bring Fitz back to being a wolf just constantly battling with Burek and you know trying to get in there to say join me come hunt with me be with me be a wolf and at the end of last chapter or at the end, sorry, at the end of last book, we saw that need to keep Fitz's soul in body with himself. It feels like Night Eyes has an active role in keeping Fitz with him. Fitz feels more of the passive of, well, this is easy and comfortable, so I'm just going to let it happen. Because Fitz doesn't really want to be human either because of the horrible things that has happened, where I think Night Eyes, in my reading of this, has a more active role of then be a wolf, come join me, be part of this. This is easier. You know it is. And it almost feels like when in some way an addiction to having them be one. Mm. And I don't know. I just interesting. There's all these little asides of then be a wolf. Join me, brother. Be be one with me. It's easier. And if Night Eyes was purely blase about the whole thing, I don't think he would continuously tell Fitz to be a wolf. I think he would just say, you know, that sounds like a you problem or something. You know, I don't know. I just feel like he's so proactive and, well, just be a wolf. And I think it does stem from like a place of clearly being a man hurts you. Don't do it. See, that that's where, why I think it's he doesn't really care. It's just trying to protect his pack you know it's just saying hey being like this does not bring up the bad memories run away from those just be a wolf live in the present it's better than being a man anyways right and when he does change like the the next page it says after fitz cleans himself he says so you do wish to be a man after all do we travel soon it's like it's not a big confrontation like hey you should stay a wolf like why are you cleaning yourself what like hey just why why don't we stay here it's nice here it's just let Fitz deal with stuff himself. And if he wants to be a wolf, that's awesome. Cause I just want to be a wolf. Right. I don't know. I think night eyes is like eventually getting tired of having the man's worries on him. It could be, but I think also he would, he would prefer if Fitz was a wolf and 
in that way, he is being a bad influence to Fitz by just constantly suggesting. He never has any other suggestions. It's always straight to go to go be a wolf. And I know that part of that is like, that's what he knows. And that's kind of like what he's best and has the most experience in. But it just feels very like not healthy. And it feels kind of like if Fitz was alone without night eyes talking to him, he wouldn't be reverting back into these wolf behaviors. There wouldn't be a wolf to yeah, revert back into. I, I, it's hard I, to like explain what I'm trying yeah. to say, but if Night Eyes didn't constantly say, just be a wolf, then I think Fitz wouldn't ha- like feel the need to go back into that safety blanket. Sure. But at the same time, I think you're putting much too much like character into Night Eyes. He is only a wolf like that. Like you right. said, that's all he knows. But that's literally like he doesn't understand anything about a human's world or how to deal with things. It's just like. This is fine. Just do this. So I, I don't think he can give any other advice. Well, he you know? could. Why not just well, then hunt or come hunting with me, but not in like, don't be a wolf. Just but be I yourself. Think, but I think in Night Eyes's head, that is just being a wolf like just be a wolf then okay let's go hunting let's i don't know you know i don't think i'm doing a very good job of conveying to you what i'm trying to say and i don't know how to be more clear so this is all i got (laughs) so i i think that the be a wolf is night eyes is saying like live in the moment hunt with me sleep with me and stuff and i i don't want to put words in your mouth but i feel like you think night eyes saying be a wolf is share my mind with me and be like let's be like one thing again yeah i guess that's is that closer to what you're trying yeah to say? that's more close to what i'm saying but that's what fitz is taking it as so yeah and i i don't think night eyes is doing that i think fitz is taking that advice on himself and like oh i have to do this now like i have to we have yeah. to share minds so that's that's where i'm like fitz is it's more on fitz than on Night Eyes, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Fitz is to blame, too, because he's doing it. I just think, wouldn't Night Eyes then know, clearly, anytime he says be a wolf, Fitz then, like, bombards him with sharing a consciousness, and (laughs) so wouldn't he stop saying be a wolf? (laughs) Like, I don't know, it just... Because he is partially human. He's a humanish wolf, so he should be able to get the nuance of, clearly, this messaging isn't working. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. That's all. I don't know that it's all of Night Eye's fault. I just think that right. he's playing a very large part in this regression. Yeah. I mean, if he wasn't there, this wouldn't have happened, obviously. Right. So it's just a, I don't know. It's an interesting thought experiment about how much is is each person. Right. But Fitz kind of is thinking about that, too. Night Eyes is asking, like, are you troubled, little brother? Like, what's going on? And he just advised, yeah, just be a wolf instead. And Fitz is remarking on himself. He's like, well, I, I kind of look like a forged one. My my clothes are ratted up, dirty. I don't take care of myself. I don't clean myself. Night Eyes even cleans himself every day. Like, I'm not groomed. I'm I'm nothing. As soon as Burek left me here alone, I reverted to something less than an animal. No time, no cleanliness, no goals, no awareness of anything save eating and sleeping. This was what he was trying to warn me about all those years. I did just what he had always feared I would do. 
so Fitz takes it upon himself to to do some chores. You know, make a fire, haul some water, scrub himself, get the ticks and the bugs out of him, shave his beard, all this sort of thing. Maybe clean his clothes a little bit and mend his clothes as best he could. And eventually he looks up from the draping wet leggings on a bush to find Night Eyes watching him. You smell like a man again. Is that good or bad? Better than smelling like last week's kill. Not so good as smelling like a wolf. He stood and stretched, bowing low to me and spreading his toes wide against the earth. So, you do wish to be a man after all. Do we travel soon? Yes, we travel west, up the Buck River. Oh, he sneezed suddenly, then abruptly fell over on his side to roll about on his back in the dust like a puppy. He wiggled happily, working it well into his coat, and then came to his feet to shake it all out again. His blithe acceptance of my sudden decision was was a burden. What was I taking him into? I think reverting back to man immediately leaving Fitz with shame and guilt is a pretty clear indicator why he hates being a man so much. <laughs> yeah. He shouldn't have to put all this shame and guilt on himself, but it is something that is kind of intertwined with him, his sense of self, I think. Yeah. It would probably take a professional to get that worked out but he definitely feels more like there's all these things put on him now and there's more sense of responsibility i do also want to quick lighten the mood by saying that um at one point after he looks at himself after shaving his beard he is rocking the summer 2020 and 2021 look of uh, tanned brow and pale chin. <laughs> <laughs> True. So I just found that a little funny. But yeah, it's interesting just to see how much he has changed over this short amount of time. I mean, a few weeks isn't really that long, but kind of the changes he went through and getting himself back to resembling a human again is so laborious. Yeah, definitely. 100%. But as he gets ready, he finds himself kind of naked because everything that he owns is wet and wet from being washed and he is letting it dry out. And he decides to take his partially dry bedding to lay out in front of a fire so that he can sit on something. And that's when he realizes that Burek left him something in the hut. Yeah. He knew every last item in the hut by heart, but that had not been where it last was. And it's a little package. It was one of uh, Fitz's shirts, somehow taken from his old clothes chest, a soft brown one he'd always favored, and a pair of leggings. Bundled up inside the shirt was a small earthenware pot of Birik's unguent that he used for cuts, burns, and bruises. Four silver bits in a little leather pouch. He'd worked a buck in the stitching on the front. A good leather belt. I was staring at the design he'd worked into that. There was a buck, antlers lowered to a fight, similar to the crest Verity had suggested for me. On the belt, it was fending off a wolf. Difficult to miss that message. So Birk was here. Yeah, 
Um, do you think Burek came after the cleaning or way before the cleaning? Way before. I think it was before when during the weeks that Fitz was out with Night Eyes mm-hmm. and had not been back to the hut. Poor Burek. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, depending on when he showed up, he could have seen some of like the smoked meats. Right. And been like, oh, well, he's, you know, preparing for something that's good. Like, he's acting like a man. Right. Or if it was later on, he could have seen some of them rotting. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like he would have taken some of those down and <laughs> dealt with right. them if it was. But I think it's very hopeful that he put more clothes yeah. somewhere for Fitz and left him money. And also and he, like, show- he was going to, like, talk to Fitz, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he was going to apologize, too. He and was going to show up. and you know. So sad we missed out on that. But I think it's also interesting that Fitz, we can tell Fitz is becoming more of a man because when he first gets the package, he snuffs at it to see what kind of scents are on it and then realizes, I can't act like this. I need to start pretending that I am always under surveillance. Yeah. Because I'm about to go back into the human world. And if I start acting like an animal, people are going to know I have the wit. It's something that we've talked about before. Right. Anytime that Fitz has a break, like when he was up in the mountains, recovering from his injuries, Mm -hmm. anytime that he doesn't have to be in court or think like an assassin or a spy, he completely forgets all the lessons he learns. Right. He just kind of reverts back to a civilian. Yeah, which is so (laughs) weird because you'd think he would be way more careful. I mean, in this instance, people mostly think he's dead. Oh, yeah. And so I get not needing to be careful, but like it's, at every it, other point of his life, he just it's like he forgets that he's important. I think it's that he just doesn't like doing it. And so even though it's to save his life. Right. Yeah. And so, well, he also doesn't really care that much about his life. True. <laughs> and so every time he has a break, he's like, this is really nice. And he goes back. I'm like, oh, my God, I have to do this again. <laughs> I guess I'll think on my toes the whole time. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Watch ugh. my back. Like, Fitz, come on. It's like life skills you should be utilizing. And he is finally stopping to think again about the future. After a few weeks of nothing. Mm-hmm. After he has washed everything and, and trying to brush aside what Birik's intent could be by stopping by... He's trying to think about Tradeford, Regal, his dream, and his future. I stared into the fire. I finally allowed myself to think about my dream. I felt a strange tightening in my chest. Was I a coward? I was not sure. I was going to Tradeford to kill Regal. Would a coward do that? Perhaps, my trader mind told me. Perhaps a coward would, if it was easier than seeking out one's king. I pushed that thought from my mind, and it came right back. Was going to kill Regal the right thing to do, or merely what I wished to do? Why should that matter? Because it did. Maybe I should be going to find Verity instead. I think that this wrestle internal wrestling of what do I do with my my allegiance to my king versus my allegiance to myself of my need for revenge. Right. And I think seeing the belt of the crest that Verity suggested for him fighting a wolf 
is really making him think more on his own his own king and how he needs help and i am instead gonna do something stupid yeah because that's what i want to do and it shouldn't matter but it does i mean even at the beginning of this chapter when he is trying to convince himself we said that killing regal is the right thing to do i think this was in the back of his mind too it's like i should be going to help verity but you know killing regal is the right thing because that puts my whole life you know in the past and then it's done right it's revenge it's this is what should happen but i think this is him finally confronting that that very question of well should i find verity right i think one of the downsides of killing regal that we haven't talked about yet is that that leaves the duchies without a ruler entirely right. yeah. yeah um there are no more farseers in the duchies that could take over i mean there are like cousins and stuff yeah. and but that would lead to a whole revolt who's going to take over and that would be seriously damaging to the kingdom if fitz were to go through with this plan and i think deep down he knows that that is the problem that's why he should just go find verity because regal can be killed at any point maybe make sure that verity has a throne to come back to before tossing your entire country into civil war and leaving them with no one to help and i think that's partially one of the reasons why verity stops him as well right and commands him to come to him yeah there there needs to be something for verity to come back to but Fitz is still convinced that he has to kill Regal, and partially, uh, one of the reasons why is, well, I, I don't even know if Verity's alive right. anymore. It's been weeks. I don't know how long it's been. I've been with my wolf the whole time. And so he thinks about the skill and how mm-hmm. he was able to contact Verity before and, and say that Verity was alive to Beric and Chade. But he doesn't want to think of Verity even more. Like he, he wants to stay convinced that he has to kill Regal. Right. So he's thinking of the skill and everything like, well, you know, I want to get past the coterie to Regal's throat. Maybe I should learn to control the skill. Could I even learn it by myself? I don't think so. And all of that brings him back to thinking about Verity. Right. It all kind of circles back around to him. <laughs> of Okay. I really need to do this. And he starts thinking about the last time he successfully skilled Verity. What did he do? What did that entail? And it was at Verity's desk where he was with things that reminded him of Verity. Yep. And he wants to try to recreate that. So he starts thinking of Verity. He's thinking about details. And I did think it was interesting. I'm not going to read the full passage, um, but it's it says it's a one sentence of Verity was broader of shoulder than I, but not quite of my height. He shared dark eyes and hair of the Farseer family, but his eyes are set more deeply and his beard were shot, was shot, shot through with gray. And then it starts going more into like his personality and how he, you know, used a pen and sword equally as well. Um, but the skill straight strength drained him and, that his presence in later times that Fitz had known him was very skill powerful. And I just thought this was really interesting because this whole thought process is kind of devoid of pictures. And I wanted to bring this back to something that somebody brought up to us a while ago that uh, Robin Hobb is somebody who um, 
cannot mm. picture things in this their mind. What, aphantasia? Yes, aphantasia. And I said that we would be looking out to see if that maybe affects how they write. And I thought this was a really good example of potentially that that type of thinking playing into how she's writing. Because in my mind, if I were to think of somebody to try to remember them, I'd be thinking vivid detail picture of that person. I'd be going much more into detail of maybe like their favorite clothing or, you know, what they look like when they're smiling or like, I don't know. I feel like I would have more details in the person than like how they looked. And this is more of like the general vibe of Verity. Right. What it was like before him, what he liked to do, that sort of thing. And so it's not very picturesque for something that's happening in the mind. So I thought that was like a really interesting small thing. Um, And I could be wrong. Maybe people will disagree with me on this one. But um, I did want to say that I have been looking for examples to bring this up again. And I thought this was a good one. Yeah, nice. With those thoughts, Verity, excuse me, Fitz tries to reach out to Verity but only hits his own walls. And he runs into the dilemma of, well, I've had my walls shut around me, my skill walls protecting my mind for months now. Even before he got captured and tortured, he had his skill walls up very high. And after that, he just kept them locked in. He's been trapped within his own mind for a long, long time. Right. And so he has to force himself... To lower them. This, he has to forget that holding the wall was all that had kept his mind from his own while they were hammered away at his flesh in the dungeons. He had to forget that sickening sense of violation the time that Justin had forced his way into him. The way Galen had scarred and crippled his skill ability the time he had abused his position as skill master to force control on Fitz's mind. As clearly as if Faraday were beside me, I heard again my prince's words. Galen has scarred you. You've walls I can't begin to penetrate, and I am strong. You'd have to learn to drop them. That's a hard thing. And those words to me had been years ago, before Justin's invasion, before Will's attacks. I smiled bitterly. Did they know they had succeeded at unskilling me? They'd probably never even given it thought. Someone, somewhere, should make a record of that. Someday a skilled king might find it handy to know that if you hurt a skilled one bad enough with the skill, you could seal him up inside himself and render him powerless in that area. And he's thinking about, well, I I need time to unlearn having my walls up. And Night Eyes kind of interrupts this circling thought and says, time, no time. Time is a thing that men made up to bother themselves with. You think on it until I am dizzy. Why do you follow these old trails at all? Snuff out a new one that may have some meat at the end of it. If you want the game, you must stock it. That is all. You cannot say, to stock this thing takes too long. I wish to simply eat. It is all one. The stocking is the beginning of the eating. This is like a really interesting way to think of time yeah yeah i like that that phrase that sentence right there because it is all like one act you can't be impatient with one and just want the end result it's right it's journey and destination not just one before the other yeah and just someone who 
really struggles with time management um, and just feeling like <laughs> I never have enough time to do the things that I want, mostly because I am a little impatient to just get to the end product. Um, I think it's really interesting to hear this message of just a reminder. The thing is part of doing the thing is starting the thing. And you can't be upset that that takes too long because ultimately that just is part of what you have to do. Right. And so Fitz kind of sarcastically says, so what should I do? Oh, wise master. And Night Eyes responds, stop whining about it and just do it so I can sleep. He gives me a slight mind nudge like an elbow in the ribs when a companion crowds too close to you on the tavern bench. I suddenly realized how closely I had been holding our contact these past few weeks. Had been a time when I had rebuked him for always being in my mind. I had not wanted his company when I was with Molly, and I had tried to explain to him then that such times must belong to me alone. Now his nudge made it plain to me that I had been clinging as close to him as he had to me when he was a cub. I firmly resisted my first impulse to clutch at him. Instead, I settled back in my chair and looked at the fire. So Fitz has really been using Night Eyes as a security blanket. Yeah, it, that he is the crutch, he yeah. is the lifeline. It's the only stable thing in his life, yeah. he thinks. And Night Eyes is kind of pointing to it saying hey you're sitting here complaining about time and like it's it's keeping me up and i would like time of my own (laughs) and it's just it's a really interesting thing that fitz didn't even realize he was doing so fitz takes his time and and stares into the fire and tries to lower his walls he immediately snaps them back up but then thinks, well, nothing happened while I did. They think I'm dead. I'll, I'll lower them slowly again. And he says it, it's far easier to unsquint his eyes on a bright day of sunlight on the water or to stand unflinching, unflinching before a coming blow than to lower his walls. Right. But when he finally did, he could sense the skill current flowing all around him. He knows that he would have to plunge into that to risk himself to find Verity. Right. No such thing as testing the water with skill, in or out, in. And I think that's such an interesting look into the skill that it's not something that you get to take little pieces of to learn. You just have to do it. Yeah. And if you hesitate at all, you are ripped it to shreds in the skill river. Well, the thing about it is that there are ways to train someone to take those little pieces, but that's Mm -hmm. with a master guiding you. Right. Fitz is by himself. He has none of that training. He just has to jump right in the deep end. He's got to just survive (laughs) his whole life. That's pretty much what it's been about. Just get through this next part. So he jumps in. And while he's in, he feels himself deteriorating. He is pulling apart. There is nothing keeping him to himself. And it feels good. And all he wants to do is let go. But that would have made Galen write about me. And that makes him pull himself back together. And I think that this is a beautiful metaphor for spite being the best 
way to get through things. (laughs) 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 That (laughs) Galen can't win in this. I have to be good. And it just, zoop, right back. (laughs) There is Fitz as himself again. I drew back into myself and pulled my entire self about my mind. I could do it, I found. I could hold myself in the skill stream and yet maintain my identity. Why had it always been so hard before? I set that question aside and considered the worst. And he's think, talking about Verity there. Yeah. But wh- why do you think it has been so difficult for him in the past? I think that skilling is one of those things that somebody could explain to you over and over and over again. But until you figure it out yourself, it's just not going to make sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's just one of those, like, you have to have your own aha moment. Because I think there's a lot of things in life where when you're learning a new talent and you get stuck at a certain point and you're like, this doesn't make sense at all. Like, there's no possible way to do this. How is everybody else doing it? And then you realize, oh, there's a different way to come about this problem. And I think for Fitz, he had to realize that part of not getting swept up in the river is having a strong sense of self, which I don't think he is very good at doing. Right. And so I think when he knew that I am Fitz chivalry, the loyal subject of Verity, he was able to find that piece of himself and center it. He's not trying to be anybody else because previously he has so many identities. He is constantly worried about each person finding out something new about him that he doesn't really have one center piece of self. And with the death of that life, I think it gives him a new sense of, well, there's just who I am now. Yeah. That's what I was going to say too, that before he was just pulled in so many directions, he had so many differing loyalties and things like that. And, and after his, quote-unquote death he actually thought about himself and who he was and had some self-reflection and had to think about his sense of self versus night eyes and things like that so even though he is confused still even though he has questions and difficulties he has more of an understanding and and a grasp on how to have those conversations and he is more driven with just fits rather than The objectives of everything else. Right. The fits he has to be right now. And so he thinks about Verity. Is Verity is alive? Because he didn't answer Fitz's first little call. And the worst that he can possibly think of was that he would be, you know? Yeah. If he was alive and had spoken to him, you know, months ago. Maybe he's not anymore. And then maybe they didn't get help out. And so he skill cries for Verity. And he gets a response this time. And it's from Verity, but Verity thinks that it is chivalry calling for him. No more than a whisper brushing against my consciousness, as slight as a moth battering at a window curtain. It was my turn this time to reach and grasp and steady. I flung myself out toward him and found him. His presence flickered like a candle flame guttering out in the pool of its own wax. I knew he would soon be gone. I had a thousand questions. I asked the only important one. Verdi, can you take strength from me without touching me? 
It's... The question more feeble, more hesitant. I thought chivalry had come back. He teetered on the edge of a darkness. To take this burden from me. Verity, pay attention. Think. Can you take strength from me? Can you do it now? I don't... I can't... Reach. Fitz? I remembered Shrewd, drawing strength from me to skill a farewell to his son, and how Justin and Serene had attacked him and leached all his strength away and killed him, how he had died, like a bubble popping, like a spark winking out. Verity! I flung myself at him, wrapped myself around him, steadied him as he had so often steadied me in our skill contacts. Take from me, I commanded him, and opened myself to him. I willed myself to believe in the reality of his hand on my shoulder, tried to recall what it had felt like the times when he or Shrewd had drawn strength from me. The flame that was Verity leaped up suddenly, and after a moment burned strong and clean again. Enough, he cautioned me, and then more strongly. Be careful, boy. No, I'm all right. I can do this, I assured him, and willed my strength to him. Enough, he insisted, and drew back from me. Fitz does remark that he gave him strength, but not his health back. Right. And so he hoped that Verity took that strength to find a meal and some rest and, and yeah. things like that before it wore off, because it eventually would wear off. Right. And honestly, this probably would make it wear off a little bit faster, just because there is skill involved in giving it. Right. Skill seems to only come at a price. And that price is uh, weariness. Yeah, I'm not sure for the people who get the skill from somebody else. It'd be interesting to like look into more or know more about. Right. Because it seems to be a viable option that has been happening for years and years and years, even with like the actual skill masters. Yeah. So maybe it's a not. A little different. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit different if you're like taking skill from somebody else. You get... You know a resurgence of your own skill and if your skill is drained it leaves you weary and tired but if you're getting an infusion from somebody else maybe I guess it's not taking so much it's a net positive maybe you're just gaining energy right but as soon as their skill wears off because it's not natural to your own body right it just leaves you back to where you were i was I trying know. to think of any examples we might have and i guess in the final trilogy, uh, the final Fitz trilogy, um, Fitz goes through a skill pillar with Nettle's husband, who I cannot remember the name of at the moment. Riddle. Riddle, who is um, King's man, or is used as a skill siphon, kind of. Um, and Fitz accidentally takes from Riddle. Yeah. And Riddle is left bedridden for days because his energy is gone, because it's as though he had used all that energy. Yep. Whereas Fitz is tired yeah. from like his own usage but is ultimately fine and feels like he hadn't used as much as he did right so i guess yeah maybe you do get a little bit of a boost of energy mm -hmm. but it doesn't like heal you right so no, i guess maybe doesn't... that's more the thought of exactly he still has the effects of tiredness or hunger or whatever else is ailing him but at least he has energy now it's like a little nap except you don't have to sleep <laughs> They took some time to talk a little bit. Verity does say that we shouldn't skill at all. There are those who would try to hear us. I'm in the mountains, but I don't want to say any more because it's not really safe. But they don't end contact either. 
And Faraday warns Fitz, you must be more careful. You will draw down trouble on yourself. Yet I take heart from this. I have gone long without the touch of a friend. Then it is worth any risk to myself. I hesitated, then found I could not confine the thought within myself. My king, there is something I must do, but when it is done, I will come to you. I sensed something from him then, a gratitude humbling in its intensity. I hope I shall be here if you arrive. Then more sternly, speak no names, skill only if you must, more softly then. Be careful of yourself, boy, be very careful. They are ruthless. And then he was gone. Verity's alive. Verity is alive. But what do you think is happening on Verity's end right now? I'm not really sure at this point. I don't think he's gotten to the quarry yet. Mm-hmm. Because we, we also don't know everything that he went through to right. get to the quarry. I don't remember the full ending and what he says about things, but I feel like, and with the testimony here that Fitz says that he was living as a hunted thing, always wary, ever hungry, prey much as I was, and something else, an injury, a fever, with a question mark there, I feel like he might have dipped his hands in the skill river already the first time mm. but not made it to the quarry but was also getting still chased by like the uh sub coterie members remember there's like multiple other coteries right they don't know about i feel like he's kind of getting hounded by that or something i don't know i was wondering if potentially he was getting like skill hunted like they were attacking his mind, much like Will was attacking Fitz's mind. I think so. But with multiple people doing it not at all times, not just Fitz. Although Fitz was able to very easily contact him, so I don't know if that's what it is. Unless there's like some weird way to keep your open to, yourself open to only one person, and nobody would be able to use that opening because they all think Fitz is dead, so they couldn't look for that. But also maybe it's something to do with... The pale woman could be. Yeah. Maybe she's attacking him with this. Well, she doesn't have the skill, but she does have Rob, Rob beard, Rob red, Rob red. Yeah. And, <laughs> and under her control. So she could be using him to attack. True. True. Um, so that he doesn't get to the dragons. Yeah. Fitz is trembling after giving strength. And he, again, is going back to exactly what Beric and Chade had complained to him about before. Going, you know, risking his life, being weak, and then immediately wanting to get drugs for it. Right. Because he says, like, as soon as the trembling stops, I'll get some elf bark to restore me. Yeah. So he's going right back to his old habits, of course, because he... Fitz doesn't learn anything very no. easily or and also, ever. <laughs> it's just way easier to deal with if you take the yeah. elf bark. And we get a confirmation of what we had talked about last chapter or last episode, I guess, of when Verity had left. And he had left last autumn, so it's like we said last episode. It has almost been a year. Yes. It, had, it seemed an eternity ago when Verity had departed, King Shrewd had lived yet, and Verity's wife Ketrikin had been pregnant. He had set himself a quest. And so they talk briefly about that overview, a little recap of what had happened last book. 
of when yeah. he set out. I do want to point out that he starts this little mini recap with almost the moment Verity was gone, Regal began to move against him. And I find that interesting because Regal has been planning way before right. he was gone. So I thought it was like a weird oversight. I don't think it's an oversight. He he actively moved against him when Verity was gone. He didn't really... He wasn't super active when Verity was there. Are you sure? Because he was kind of bad ta- bad-mouthing him pretty actively in the open about how he wasn't ever attending any events and how he and his wife hated each other. And I feel like that's pretty was active. Was he personally doing that? I assume it's coming from him. Those rumors started with him. I would assume those rumors were started by his team and he told them to start those. Right. But you don't think he was saying that out well, loud at dinners? <laughs> no, I don't. Because of Shrewd and, and Verity, the potential there. And he'd already been warned once by his father and by Verity. But his father was ailing and not going to dinners either. Sure. I just don't think he like actively took a role. Like, we didn't. I didn't see him do much. Like He didn't do anything that changed much besides rumors, you know? Right. But... Also, Fitz wasn't really paying attention to what Regal was doing until this point. And he knew about the rumors, and we can assume that they started from Regal in some way. We just don't know what to what extent. But after Verity leaves, Regal is openly mocking him at tables at dinners. Yeah. So why would we assume that that was the first of it and not just that Fitz wasn't around before to notice? This is from Fitz's point of view, though. I know. But that's what I'm saying. I think there's a little... I don't don't know. I don't believe it just magically started when he left. I don't think anybody was stopping him before. Sure. like In actuality, yes. But from Fitz's point of view, he's saying... Oh, okay. okay. Regal moved against Verity the minute that Verity left. Because that's from Fitz's point of view, because he didn't pay attention. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's there's only the rumors that were before that for Fitz, you know? Yeah. So... I, I think from Fitz's point of view, his wording here is correct and it's not an oversight. What we know is Verity has been, or excuse me, Regal has been plotting the same thing since before, before Verity right. got married to Ketchikan. So it's been happening for a long, long time and it's pretty much the same plot, right. just altered the whole time. But actually moving against him only happened after Verity left. Yeah. And I should have been a little bit more clear. I didn't mean an oversight in the writing of Robin Hobb. Oh, that's what I thought I you meant. meant. It was like an a oversight on Fitz's, po- uh, oh, Fitz's part. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he's pretty blind when it comes to Regal in all regards. Yeah. So blind hatred, blind revenge, blind about how smart he can be. Right. Yeah. Blind about his plots, you know. <laughs> and yet he thinks he's the only one who notices everything about him. So. Right. It's Fitz. And so during this recap, we get to the point where uh, nothing went as planned, where Regal was going to announce himself king in waiting. The plan that they had to have the king and Ketrikin flee did not work out. Only Ketrikin ended up fleeing. The king died and everything bad happened. Also, there is a mention of Fitz's fake death, how Lady Patience was the only one to claim his body. But it does say that the poison had been enough to counterfeit death convincingly, which I think is interesting because we've been having this conversation over and over again of whether or not Fitz actually died. And before this, every time Fitz himself talks about it, he says he didn't 
he did die. Yeah. He actually fully died. But in this recounting from Fitz himself, he's saying he didn't actually die. It was just the medicine that made him seem dead. I thought and that I was thought a little that, weird, too. Yeah, I thought it was weird that he's so adamant, both in the end of last book and the beginning of this book, merely two chapters ago, that I actually died and came back to life. And now he's like, I had a counterfeit death. It could be more like he was metaphorically saying well Fitz had died like that I wasn't sure that they were right that I had you know faked death I'm pretty much dead <laughs> right I don't know um, but I don't know but it is it is weird and it is like different than what he has been saying before so I wanted yeah. to make sure we pointed out that yeah. there are two different versions of Fitz's own telling of this little inconsistencies in his narration mm-hmm. as usual again Fitz is uh, very reliable he's <laughs> Also, I do want to say that this could be because he's had some time away from it and he like is trying to heal. And like the easiest way to do that is to maybe pretend that he didn't actually die. True. If he did. Yeah. Or maybe before he was overreacting in the heat of the emotions of the moment. Either way, we don't know, but he has said it both ways. So any way you think it happened is is correct. Canonically. (laughs) He does say here that, um, it, well, he, he thinks about Molly a little bit here, of course. He always thinks about Molly eventually. She had fallen in love with me before she discovered that I was the bastard, the illegitimate son that had forced chivalry to abdicate the throne. When she found out, I very nearly lost her, but I had persuaded her to trust me, to believe in me, and for almost a year we had clung to one another, despite every obstacle. Time and again, I had been forced to put my duty to the king ahead of what we wished to do. And and that right there is more of Fitz's immaturity peeking through and exactly what Chade and Beric had been talking about was wrong with him and what he was doing. Because, oh, Fitz had been forced to do this to put ahead of what we, Molly and I, wished to do. But... That's not true. Fitz no. chose to do that. Yeah. He chose to put his duty ahead of that. Would it have been very bad if he put chose Molly and himself ahead of the king's duties? Yes. Probably. He would have probably <laughs> been hunted forever and eventually, like, yeah. probably killed. But there was no knife to his throat yeah. saying, make this choice or else. That was his own sense of duty making him. Also, the fact that she nearly turned away when she found out I was a prince is like, yeah. Cause you yeah. lied to her. Not, not because <laughs> she found out you were the bastard. Like right. it wasn't who you turned out to be. It was the fact that you are a liar. Like <laughs> It's one of the things that Fitz deals with all of his life. The fact that he puts all of his hardships on who he is as a title and a person rather mm-hmm. than like who he actually is. Right. He puts all of his hardships on, Oh, I am the bastard. Even says later, uh, he had been unable to protect her because she was threatened and mocked as the bastard's whore. Like it, it's all his fault for being born the bastard. And then he projects that further to chivalry, to Chade, to the king, to whoever. Right. And yeah, instead of taking time to work on who he is as a real person and realize that him... His own character has a lot of flaws that yeah. need to be worked on. It's not just because of what his reputation is. 
Yeah, life life isn't as unfair as he makes it out to be. It's no. extremely unfair for him. Don't right. get me wrong. He is in a for very sure. bad spot in life. Worse than most. Yes. However, he does dig his own grave in a lot of those things because he shifts blame to what he thinks is unavoidable situations because he was born into it. Right. When, in fact, he doesn't take ownership of a lot of his issues. Yeah. It's a very human reaction. It's just so frustrating. It is so frustrating. It's like, Fitz, maybe learn how to not lie to everybody you love. I don't know. Oh, and he says, and she left me. I could not blame her. I could only miss her. Which is true. You shouldn't blame Molly. Right. And I mean, that's like probably the most healthy response he has to anything is the realization that you can't put blame on other people for their own choices. I mean, like, except it's like some extent even misplaced here because it's like I couldn't blame her because the bastard doesn't deserve love and I can't protect her. Right. Oh, not because I was really horrible to her and lied to her about a lot of things. So I can't blame her for her leaving me. It's I can't blame her for <laughs> not me wanting not to being be associated there. with yeah. me. <laughs> oh, it's oh, very fit. frustrating. So he thinks about the skill again. Verity had warned me to skill no more than unless I, he had to, unless Fitz had to. But surely it could not hurt to attempt a glimpse of, glimpse of Molly just to see her for a moment, to see her that she was well. I probably wouldn't even succeed at seeing her. But what could I hurt by trying, just for a moment? This has big, nice guy energy, and I don't like it. (laughs) Um, Also, I hate that the second that he's, like, coming back to his humanity and becoming more, like, fits, he's immediately doing everything in his power to do everything that people tell him not to do. Right, I know. Verity's like, hey, remember how you almost died? And I'm like, fighting for my life here. Please don't skill. And he's like, but Molly's just so cute. And she would never go for a guy like me. She's too hot. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, Fitz, chill out, first of all. Second of all, leave her alone. <laughs> like, you just got done with two paragraphs of how you endangered her. And now you're going to like put her in danger again for what? <laughs> it makes me so mad. <laughs> So he tries to skill, to to reach out the same way that he reached Verity, and thinks about Molly and everything about her, and he says it should have been so easy, but in thinking of her, he just starts crying. Yeah. I do want to pose a question that I had for you. Um, Do you think that he can't reach Molly because she is, like, skill immune? And I don't mean that in, like immune to the skill but you know how some people she doesn't have a predilection for it yeah yeah because verity has explained that sometimes when he goes to his subjects they cannot be touched by him with the skill and we know that some people can't hear dragons later right which is kind of related to the skill oh does molly ever meet tintaglia later with like when she flies i don't know man i don't think so but i don't know for sure Oh man! Because I'm I don't to remember now. I couldn't think of a single instance where Molly had anything to do with skill. Yeah, I know that whenever Fitz is spying onto her later, it is through their daughter Nettle, who is right. extremely powerful in the skill. Yeah, but I don't I, think Molly herself it ever. Could, it could definitely be true that she doesn't have any contact. I'm just trying. I can't think of anything in tawny man if she has any contact with 
Oh, I'm trying to think, but I, I feel like I feel like there is some interaction between her and Tintaglia or something like that. Or maybe I'm just thinking of Nettle and that, her connection with the dragon. But yeah, maybe not. Maybe she just can't be contacted. I don't. I That's what I'm thinking. So I was wondering if maybe that is part of the... It's not just that Fitz like, needs a good cry, which he does, um, but... Maybe it's also that she can't be reached because she's one of the people who just doesn't right. have it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Although she does end up having kids very powerful in both the wit and skill without having either herself, which I think is ironic. But hey, if somebody can think of a good example of Molly having some type of touch with the skill, please let us know. I would yeah. be very yeah. interested. Um, but I think this might be an indicator that she cannot be too tired to try and find molly with my skill i should try to get some sleep i tried to set myself apart from these two human emotions yet this was what i chose when i chose to be a man again maybe it was wiser to be a wolf surely an animal never had to feel those feelings out in the night a single wolf lifted his nose and howled suddenly up to the sky piercing the night with his loneliness and despair. It goes back again to what you said about Night Eyes being lonely. He, he only has fits. Yeah. What we talked about in general. He wants to see what wolves are like, you know? Right. So. And I think it's very naive of Fitz to think that an animal couldn't have as deep of feelings as he has because he's experienced Night Eyes dealing with number one PTSD dreams from the terror that was him being ripped away from his mother. Uh, number two, the playfulness and joy, but also sadness that fit that night eyes feels being alone. Like clearly night eyes also has a wide, vast range of emotion emotions, but in Fitz's self pity, he goes back to everybody else has it better than me. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to be Fitz. Yeah. That wraps up that chapter. Yeah. The quest. He finally decides to get going, though, which, you know, maybe this chapter is why uh, you also didn't like this section of the book. <laughs> yeah. It just, I think there's like three or four pages of a near the end of, okay, here's what happened last two books. Yeah. And that bothers me because we're three chapters in and we've already had a lot of we had that explanation royal assassin too yes a lot of series have that recap yeah and i get it i i know that's part of what you have to do when you write a series um but in every book it makes me mad because i'm like okay i know i just binged the last book (laughs) literally literally finished it like an hour ago (laughs) i don't need a reminder thank you (laughs) so i i get the purpose but it is like really frustrating whenever you're reading and it's four pages of exposition of things that have already happened that we've been over a million times it feels like now so well thank you so much everyone who tuned in and listened to us all the way through ranting about different things and talking about (laughs) fitz's emotional state if you have anything to say to us about how fitz might be feeling how night eyes and him interact anything about the skill or anything at all just let us know. Please, please email us at isfitshappy at gmail.com or talk to us directly on the comments of our episode posts or in our DMs on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at isfitshappy for all three of those. Yeah, we look forward to hearing what you have to say, and hopefully next time we won't be as stuffy. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so now we get to talk about some cool stuff our listeners brought to us this week. I'm going to start off with uh, Ellen from Facebook. First, they mentioned how they would love a prequel uh, from Bjork's point of view. His early days. His yeah. early days and how he went through the, the wit and all that stuff. And I would like to full-heartedly agree and say, I think we all would love to see how Bjork was. And and multiple points of view, to be honest. Any prequels? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Just everybody lived their patience, Bjork, <laughs> chivalry, verity. Even Baby Regal, I'd be down for it. Interesting, yeah. But the main topic we wanted to discuss that Ellen brought up is about Fitz going through the Great Hall and killing Justin. Yep. Um, they mentioned that they remembered that... Fitz's main goal is not to kill Justin, but it's distracting everyone to get Ketrick in a clean escape. And that's what he's been planning for days. Killing Justin is just a very effective way of reaching the goal of getting Ketrickin out. Um, and that helped them to forgive Fitz more for the choices. Um, but he paid way too high of a price for his actions and, Every and like everyone <laughs> wishes that he didn't have to go through be tortured yeah. by Regal, but that ultimately that leads to him being able to leave Buckkeep and um, getting to Verity and helping Verity ultimately make the dragon. Mm-hmm. And I don't fully agree with this. Okay, reasoning or explanation because. The plan was for Ketrikan to and and True to sneak out during the feast. Still, Regal would be preoccupied downstairs, so I don't think right. he really needed a distraction so right. much more as he just needed a way past the guards to get into the king's room initially. Right. So when the king died and Fitz got the kerosene, he just went on a killing rampage because he wanted revenge. Because he was immature, mm-hmm. I I don't forgive him for that. Like it's still like not the correct choice to make. Yes, it feels good to to get revenge for it, right? As a reader, but thinking from his eyes, it's literally the wrong choice to make. Yeah, I really, yes, it does lead to you know everything working out in the end. Maybe not for Fitz's health, but uh, mental or physical. <laughs> But it, everything does, you know, work out in the end with the stone dragons because of this chain of events. However, I just don't think that explains it away. I don't think Fitz was in his right mind and thinking of, I need to create a distraction. I think he was just in a manic episode trying to get revenge and chasing down Justin. Right. I actually, um, I don't fully agree with the point either, um, but I do think that it kind of puts a little bit more context in the situation of he has been worrying for like the past three days right, of yeah. how are we going to get Ketrickin and the King out safely? There needs to be some sort of, there might need to be a distraction. And he was going into this thinking, I'm going to have to do something rash to distract everybody so that there is a chance for this to go smoothly. Um, so I think maybe that did play into his ultimate playing out of this whole chasing after Justin through the halls. It's just been in his mind. Yeah, I think yeah, that could have influenced that. the decision, but I don't think he ultimately chose to do that because it would be more helpful to Ketrickin. Right. I think it was 
he had been already thinking, well, I have to disrupt everybody anyway. And then, like, I don't care who sees me. They killed the king. <laughs> so I think it's a little bit of both. Um, yeah, maybe. I, I'm fully ready to put the blame on Fitz's shoulders there. Maybe because I am still angry at the words that he just spoke in the chapter before <laughs> to Beric and Chade. Right. And I'm more readily uh, able to put blame on him at this mo- at this point mm-hmm. but i i still think that he could have made better choices <laughs> yeah no i fully agree that he should have made better choices um and you know for as much as i'm like we shouldn't let fitz be babied and he needs to live up to his consequences i sure do a whole lot of fitz isn't fully to blame so <laughs> yeah i'm just as bad as Burek. <laughs> but i do think it is an important point to bring up that that was kind of something that was happening beforehand and potentially it could have played a part into why he yeah. didn't care that he did end up making yeah. a scene and it feels more justified on his end. So thank you. And last but not least, we have a email from Naomi as well, speaking on the recent interactions between and relationship between Fitz and Birik. not the argument, but before that and how, uh, the rehab is going and everything like that and relating it to their life as well. And it, it really goes to show how much people can get out of a story and how much, I don't know if it's just comfort or, you know, a, a similar sense of like more, more than one person can go through something and there are yeah, you're not alone. similar. Yeah. Yeah. There's similar thoughts out there and and people who you can relate to. And it, it really, again, brought it into perspective that these these books are for everyone. There, there's a yeah. lot of trauma and emotional things that go through here, but there's also great points to it and and hope for the future and a lot of different points in life that can be related to. Yeah. Through this, yeah. because we follow Fitz through his whole life. Yeah, and it's always really interesting when we get emails from listeners talking about um, how the book relates to their life. I think it's really inspiring because, um, you know, we all have different experiences as we go through this life. And so just seeing the different paths, the different paths of the the time intertwining into a tapestry um (laughs) it's really cool to see that it's also helping other people like this book series just seeing some sort of familiarity with your own situation and it's really cool so thanks so much for reaching out yeah we appreciate everyone who uh who speaks to us yes after we yell at you guys across these episodes yes (laughs) well we're not yelling at you we're just yelling at each other (laughs) we're yelling at you How dare you like Fitz, but also we love him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we always, as always, we look forward to hearing what you're going to tell us next time. And thank you guys for making this a fun experience.